You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. I often say that I feel like it's great when you can learn something new every day. And I really like it when I learn something new early in the day, because then I can kind of coast for the rest of the day without feeling obliged to learn anything else. Uh, And on Tuesday, so there's a new uh, group that I'm a part of. There's a a small group of pastors, including uh, the Reverend Dr. David King, who's the new pastor appointed in Forest Grove. Uh, And we do a lectionary study. We read through the passages of the Revised Common Lectionary for the coming Sunday, uh, and we talk about what questions we have. We learn from one another. And last uh, Tuesday afternoon, I accidentally learned two things on the same day, in the same hour. And here are the two things that I learned. The first is that this parable from Matthew, the parable of the talents, which we've heard, I'm sure you've heard dozens of times. You've heard a thousand sermons on this. Uh, And if it wasn't actually a thousand, it might have felt like a thousand sermons on this because they're almost always lined up during the time when churches are doing their stewardship campaigns and financial stewardship campaign sermons tend to feel like 12 different sermons all together. I understand that. Here's the first thing that I learned that I had not known for years, and you maybe even remember me saying this. I've said that the word in this story, talents, for the amount of money, is only sort of coincidentally aligned with the English word, sounds like the English word talent, like the gifts and skills you have, that it's a false cognate. It sounds like it's the same word, but it's actually two different origins, et cetera, et cetera, and that this really is a story about financial stuff and not about the gifts and skills you have. And I learned on Tuesday that, in fact, the word talent in English, gifts, skills, the things that we can do, those innate abilities that we have, is actually comes directly from this parable, from the metaphorical reading of this parable of talents being gifts and skills that you can employ. So not only was like a, I a little wrong, like I was entirely wrong. It's not just that these words are actually the same, that the English word talent comes from the same place that this parable uses the word talent. It is where this word talent in English came from this parable exactly. So, Whoops, sorry, for those of you who have heard me say before that talent, the English word, does not come from, is not related to this word talent for a a unit of money. That's the first thing I learned. You've heard a lot of sermons about this parable, I imagine, and it's a sort of strange one in a sense because these servants, these three servants, one is given five talents, one is given two, and one is given one. And the one who is given one acts fearfully and perhaps rightfully because, in fact, the master who gives these talents to his servants before he departs seems to be a harsh servant, seems to actually be what his servant says, a man who reaps where he does not sow. 
And so the one who acts in a way that most of us can understand, being careful that he not lose the precious thing that he's been given from his master, he acts prudently, it can be argued. That man loses and is cast into the outer darkness. That's not really a theology that we embrace. It's not really a picture of who we think God actually is. But And we have to wrestle with it a bit. We can't just say, oh, I don't like that and throw it off to the side. We've got to really understand what it is that Jesus is saying here. So I want to say very clearly, we definitely as a congregation need to work together to support the life and ministry that we share. But you will not be thrown into the outer darkness based on how much or how little you give. I hope that's obvious. I hope you know that. But just in case. You've heard a thousand sermons on this. You've heard this parable over and over again. Here's the other thing that I learned that blew my mind. I knew that talent was a measure, and it was a lot. I hadn't realized how much a lot is. It comes actually from a measure, a volume measure, and it then became a measure of a volume of precious metal and therefore a monetary value. A talent was usually either silver or gold, and depending on where and when you were living, a talent was somewhere between, like, we're not exactly sure, but something like 75 to 120 pounds. That's a lot. It's a crazy, it still today would be a crazy amount of money. So when the master hands over five talents to the first servant, it's 500 pounds of silver or maybe even gold. When he hands over two talents to the second servant, it's 200 pounds of precious metal. When he hands over one talent to that last third servant, he hands over maybe a hundred pounds of silver or gold. This is more money than any of these servants would have seen in their life. It's an unimaginable amount of money. It's lottery money, right? It's a crazy, crazy amount that they've been handed and asked to be stewards of. I really wish that we sometimes had a gospel that included stage direction or at least some kind of indicator of what tone of voice Jesus was using or what the look on his face might have been. Because I like to imagine that at the end of this parable, when he said, and to that last one, he gave only one talent, his crowd would have known that's a ridiculous thing to say. When Jesus said to the one who has nothing, like, it's not nothing. He was given a whole talent. He was given a life fortune. And I think that Jesus knew when he said that, that it would sound ridiculous to the hearers who were hearing that story that day. No one was given nothing. No one in that story was given very little. They were all given exorbitant amounts of money. It might change how we hear that parable then. 
It does for me. It is absolutely true that there are, in this world, as there were in Jesus' day, people who were extraordinarily wealthy and people who were impoverished. True 2,000 years ago, true today. So maybe this is not directly a story about income and wealth, but rather what the kingdom of God is like. After all, most of Jesus' parables point to to some deeper reality and not just to something people already know about the world around them. And in the kingdom, maybe what Jesus is saying is that in the kingdom, even those of us who think we have a little have something extraordinary. Even those of us who don't imagine that we are well-gifted are rich beyond measure. Not just in terms of finance, but in terms of the giftedness of our life, the talents that we possess, the time that we possess, the love that we can share. Maybe that's what this parable points us toward, is that we are all, no matter how little we think we have, we are all more capable and more rich than we imagine. And the problem with the one who gets just one talent is not that he doesn't have enough to make a difference with. It's that he acts out of fear rather than out of abundance. He acts out of what he's afraid of rather than what he could do. We are rich beyond our wildest expectations. We are really, truly able to do more than we can imagine. You don't have to be John Wesley to make a difference in this world. You don't have to be Elon Musk to make a difference in this world. That's really your two options. You can be John Wesley or Elon Musk. You don't have to be somebody major in this world to do major good in this world. I started counting this morning about the number of ministry settings that I've worked at. I started working in churches. I was 20, I think I was 20 years old the first time I worked in church. I might have been 19. Anyway, I was not old enough to be working in churches, but there I was. And so literally my entire adult life, I have worked in church settings and in ministry settings. And if I count them all up, I think I counted 19 places where I've been in ministry between congregations, working as a youth pastor, working as a pastor appointed. Uh, It helps to have nine nine churches in a circuit in England when you're there for a couple of years. That really boosts your numbers. Uh, Three different national parks where I was working in ministry. 19 places. And I can tell you that from every one of those 19 places, there are people whose lives, whose words, whose compassion and care, who said or did something that continues to unfold and bless my life. From the very first church I worked at at Owenwood United Methodist Church in East Dallas to this place today, and every place in between, there have been people who have loved and cared for me, who have said something that I needed to hear, who have offered a word, who have challenged me, who have supported me, who have done something that continues to be a blessing in my life. And I bet that's true for you, that as you think back over the years and places where you have been and lived, 
that you can think of someone in almost every place you've been who continues to be a blessing. Even if you don't talk to them now, even if you haven't talked to them in years, there's something about that moment, that relationship, that something they said, some, they, something they did that continues to be a rich blessing in your life. And if that's true for the people in our lives, that they do more than they can imagine for us, because if I called those people up who I think of when I think of Owen, when United Methodist Church, let me tell you what a difference you made in my life, they would be surprised by that, I suspect. And I bet you think the same thing about the people in your life who've been such a rich blessing. If you called them up and said, man, you changed my life, you have no idea, they would go, really? I don't even remember saying that. But if it's true for those people in our lives that they've done more for us than they know, it is also true that from our lives into others, we've done more in this world than we know. We are more richly blessed than we imagine. We have more, more than enough to change the world. And we don't always know it. We don't always see it when it happens. But it's not because we don't change the world. It's because the Spirit works sometimes behind the scenes and long after we're gone to nurture the thing that we've done into something more beautiful than we could imagine. We have a talent, at least, each of us. And we can change the world. This little bit that we imagine we have is a lot. There's a story of a, a young boy named Dylan, and he had a best friend named Jonah, and they were thick as thieves, six years old. Jonah has a disease, a rare disease um, related to his liver, um, and it means that he can't process a lot of foods the same way that other people do. It's... Um, in some ways, similar to things like diabetes, um, and, and it relates to insulin and, and blood sugar and all those kinds of complicated body chemistry things. And there's no cure for this disease that Jonah has. And one of the things that it means is that he can't eat chocolate, which is kind of a crappy thing if you're six years old. And Dylan, his best buddy, he, they had a, since they couldn't eat chocolate together, they used the word chocolate bar to mean awesome. So if they said, man, I'd love to go to Disney. Disney is chocolate bar. And one day, Dylan announces to his parents, I'm going to raise money to find a cure for Jonah's disease. And his parents went, oh, that's great. I think you should do that. And he says, no, I'm serious. And he writes a book, 16 pages. It's called Chocolate Bar. He writes the book, his parents go, that's really lovely. So I'm going to sell this book, I'm going to get it published, distribute it around the world, people are going to buy it, and we're going to give the money to people who will find the cure for Jonah's disease. His parents said, oh, that would be great. He would not let the idea go. So after a week of cajoling and poking and prodding and for, never forgetting to remind his parents, they said, fine. So they started the process, they called some people, and somebody called somebody and talked to somebody, and pretty soon somebody said, well, we'll publish that book. We'll help you make that happen. So it's around $100,000 of money that's now been raised because of the book Chocolate Bar that's been donated to, uh, I think it's University of Florida that's doing the research on this disease that Jonah has. I don't know if they're going to find a cure. Maybe. 
Dylan didn't have anything in this world. But nobody told him that. They forgot to tell him that six-year-olds can't change the world. But he did. Because he loved his friend so much. And that's what he had. It wasn't that he was an amazing author, although, by all accounts, Chocolate Bar is a great book. I've seen a picture of the cover. He's not a particularly gifted artist. He's six. <laughs> what he has is enough love to change the world. And so do you. So do each of us. Every act of love and compassion, however small, every action we take that tips the scales of justice, every moment we speak a word of peace, every small way that we contribute to the work of the kingdom of God changes the world, and we have enough. We have not just enough, we have more than enough. You might think you don't have the skills or the talents or the gifts or the money to change the world, but friends, what you do have is enough love. And the little we have is a lot. So let us use it. Let us spend it. Let us give it away. And let us be agents of God's kingdom in this world with the little bit we have to change the world towards a more loving, more justice, more just, more peaceful, more welcoming place for all of God's children. And that, my friends, is the good news this day. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.